Today, This American Dice presents the finale of Trophy Dark, a tabletop role-playing game of dark forests, doomed treasure hunters, and a world woven on the loom of rumor, history, and myth. In this episode, our three treasure hunters will have their shaky alliance tested by suspicion, selfishness, and the supernatural. What will these desperate three do when they are finally given the opportunity to ask for the Tide Queen's bounty? And what will she ask for in return? After all, the tide, they say, must have its due. What up, everyone? Hello. Oh, uh, I want to um, read aloud the uh, condition I gave Austin. I don't know if you saw it in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I forgot to read out loud. And also, um, you, um, Justin, get a, what, recovery roll? A reduction role is what it's called, actually. Right. You can't stop thinking that your companions are planning to sacrifice you at the, the end of the journey. Um, and when you find something precious to you, you swallow it to hide it away from others. All right. So, Justin, do you want to start off with rolling that uh, recovery roll? So, I sure would. To remind you, you just have to roll one light die. And if it's less than your current ruin, you get to decrease it. Okay. I'm just going to move some of these boys. And interestingly, if it is equal mm-hmm. to or higher than your rune, you can still reduce it, but people notice you be- betrayed them. Right. Right. So either way is fun for us. Ah, uh, six. Ooh, okay. So that means <clears throat> you specifically know Rush tried to sabotage this ritual but but failed so and i decrease by one right mm-hmm. yeah either way you, you still decrease by one so you're back to uh was that four mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah both rush and nema just in the back of your head <laughs> you're thinking about the other the other maybe politely not saying anything right now but who knows yeah this is just furthering her idea that like these people are gonna um all right i'm gonna have to gonna have to get to them before they get to me at this point yeah and so as you're going further in the three of you are going further into this uh cave you can tell like i kind of described as iridescent before and there's actually kind of a in the bottom half perhaps i guess uh there's like starfish that are still like alive on here and maybe like a brightly colored sea and enemies and stuff. It's like, Oh, this is sometimes underwater quite beautiful to look at, but at the very least Orlin got to think, Oh, this is bad news. Perhaps this is a, a time oh, yeah, limit yeah. that we're on. Yeah. I think Orlin will point at the sea and anemone and uh, say that unless you got gills, we got a problem. So we're being led into a death trap. Life's a death trap. <laughs> Don't get metaphysical with me. This uh, cave is definitely underwater a lot of the time. I would watch your footing and let's not take any longer than we need to. Why? It's not like uh, any of us have drowned before or anything like that. Ooh, and perfectly timed with uh, both watch your footing and not like we've been drowned. You, uh, there's a splash against everyone's heel, 
as this uh, water, the tide kind of rushes in to uh, meet you and it goes against the back of your legs. It's on your heels at first and then up to your ankles. And then this is like knee deep water. You're kind of wading further down into this and you look behind you and you know, it's completely dark. And in fact, I want to say Orlin, you can't help but look behind you and you you know you're not supposed to be doing that when you're on a ship at least but yeah I think you know what you see you want to describe it yeah I think it's um, it's a good one instead of the ship itself that I used to see I see floating coffins that are kind of emblazoned with the same attributes of that ship, so very dark and like pitch and tar covered um, with uh, I don't know how old the convention is of like wrapping uh, a coffin in a flag or like that kind of thing, but I'll say that at least one of them, maybe the captains like presumably, or like maybe that's what Orlin would at least believe is wrapped in this tattered flag that's dark maybe black maybe not maybe it's just the color of very deep water and uh, it's kind of barely holding on but in this kind of bizarre way and they're just floating but they're very much still right there right in the back of the this kind of cave room do it now. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be mean. I think I'm going to make you do a ruin roll for that. Yeah, that fits. So, to remind you, you just roll one dark die. Okay. It's a five. I don't know why. Weird. So, I was a four, which means I'm up to five. Hey. So, <laughs> I've, I've achieved reduction Welcome. capability. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, and I do want to point out, because I forgot to mention this earlier in this episode, that uh, it, whenever Orlin has had his left hand out of his peacoat pocket, it's never been in a case where other people can see it. That's true, so, yeah. So it's still a mystery. I'm just going to keep that there. So before I reveal this condition, um, especially with your, your hand in your pocket, I totally forgot about that, but I was fascinated about it last time too. So as this water's kind of rushing in and especially maybe Orlin without, you know, maybe doing it consciously, you surge ahead to escape this. I mean, you're escaping the coffins, but everyone it's in their best interest to escape this uh, rushing water. And you kind of um, go further and further down. Who knows how far you probably slip a few times. Everybody once or twice, you come eventually to a place that's relatively uh, flat instead of you know going further down and you're perhaps up to your almost your waist in this cold water uh rush uncomfortably close to that dream you had temperature wise and it's it's completely you guys were holding torches maybe uh nima's the only one holding a working torch at this point everyone else's has been doused and this is when you orlin maybe as you settling down into this you uh look down maybe at your hand that's not in your pocket and it feels kind of strange for a minute a little stiff and uh it's because strange webbing has formed between your fingers and toes 
and your hands and feet feel stiff, not unlike Finn's. Nice. And it looks like you're in sort like a relatively large kind of cavern under here. But yeah, what do you do? It's, you got a you got a moment or two. We all do collectively, or just Orlin? Yeah, everybody. And so, and if we joined, and we've joined Orlin in that same area. Yeah, everyone kind okay. of rushed forward. Yeah, double checking. I thought I thought you were saying just he rushed in towards that area. Yeah, and I think um, with your with Nima's torchlight in particular, if you kind of flashed around, treading all this water, you can see that there's a like it goes further into a like a different cavern or like hallways tunnel kind of thing further and is, beyond this room. Is that oh, this room? I, is, oh, go ahead. Is that where I know we have to go? Well, I will say this room is not unlike that room that you saw before, but you feel like it has to be further in. It's got to be deeper because this is obviously the wrong, wrong place. Right. Okay. And there's I, only one way this tunnel can go. All right. But I, I know where that is. I know where yeah, that this, ring is. Yeah. You saw the ring in a room very similar to this. So it's got to be in this cavern somewhere. And it's, since it's not here, there's only one other place to go. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So Nima just heads forward. I would follow her, but I would keep my back to the wall. I think Orlin is starting to become less alarmed and more resigned with the strangeness that's happening. And we'll just take up the rear. Yeah. And just to remind you too, Jacob in particular, the reduction rule. Oh yeah. If you, if you want to uh, <laughs> act in the ocean's interest by doing things such as destroying treasure, betraying or sabotaging your fellow treasure hunters or interfering with rituals, you get that option to uh, lower your, your ruin. And we all have that now, right? Uh, Nima doesn't yet. I think, right? You're still at four. No, I think uh, you're muted, but I think you do uh, have it. Austin. Ooh. Okay. Or Nima does, I think. Yeah, I'm advised. Oh, you're all pretty rough, huh? No, I'm doing fine. I feel pretty good. What are you talking about? So, yeah, I think this is like a pretty large chamber, and there's a a good ways to go in. Like you're waiting in, and it kind of, as you keep going, you can't tell if it's on level, like it's sloping downward, or if the water's rising up. And it's hard to, like, you can't, you said you're against the wall, so you can see like the one side of this wall but not really the other sides. It's uh like that big, you know, your torchlight doesn't go that far and you are traveling for a little bit, at least a few minutes, although it's hard to tell time again, it could have been hours. You see a little, like the reflection of waves, you know, on the wall up ahead of you or something kind of glowing like this crystalline blue, like up ahead. So obviously the place you're supposed to go, right? So I think as you're kind of, Going in the darkness, you see these three shadows in the water ahead of you. They're kind of uh, near the surface. You can't tell if this is a creature or if it's something floating. They're very big. What do you do? Who's in the lead here, I guess? I think, unfortunately, I'd kind of said it was me. Got the torch. Yeah. Yeah, so what are you doing, Nima? Well, she kind of backs up at, uh, at the sight of that. Yeah, she's just going to try to put herself where 
like where like maybe the light could get a better look at what these things are. Yeah, sure. You kind of, kind of angle the um the torch. That's, yeah, that's it, what she's trying I feel to like do. go going. It's like getting close to like you're running out of plank at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still got it. Like it's you know just deteriorating as you keep going in and getting more and more waterlogged. Running out of plank. Yeah. Although there's glowing stuff up ahead, so maybe you won't need it. Who knows? But yeah, you actually look over here and oh, these are coffins. These are just floating coffins here. Maybe as as you get close enough, one just the the tide kind of pushes one toward you, and just the disturbance of that makes it tilt a little and just open up and like fall out. And you realize, oh, this is um you in this coffin. It has to be you. Why are you in uh, this coffin? And you fall. so at first. At Go first, ahead. when she saw it was coffins, she was like, literally had this like, oh, it's just coffins. And then when it bumps into her and uh, her own body flops out, like screams. Yeah, I think there's a ruin roll in that, right? If you if you say so, I got a three. Oh, very nice. Uh, disturbing. And maybe as you look down, hold your fire as close to uh, this body lying on its back, you know, staring up at you as you can. And you realize that's not me at all. This is some disgusting person has been decaying for years or decades. Why did you even think that was you? It's almost like skeletal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's full of, um, maybe as this opens and pours out its contents, there is like stuff that catches your eye, like shiny little bobbles. And especially from the torchlight, I think everyone can see this. This person, she's wearing like a sort of jewelry or there's some kind of treasure. Rush, what kind of jewelry is this person wearing that's very valuable? Okay. Uh, I would say it's this kind of ornate uh, neck piece, uh, different kinds of uh, jewels. I'm thinking sterling silver or just silver. And then it almost looks like it's raining down rubies, like almost like blood just coming down. Oh, I love that. Yeah, perfect. I guess if Rush, if you, since you uh, are the one who said it, you can, or anyone else can just grab that off. I would like to take it. Yeah. And when you do just the head comes with it, it's just so decayed that it just kind of snaps off very easily. And uh, like I go to unclasp and it just goes up and I just kind of pull. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So she's not going to need it. So what's the plan now? Yeah. Is there any, any other, uh, any other treasures to be grabbed in here? There's two of these other floating coffins, but they're they're still upright floating. Yeah, Nemo will be like, let's see if there's anything. She thinks, let's see if there's anything good or useful in one of these other coffins. Sure. So um, you just kind of tilt tilt them or just open them up or what are you doing? Yeah, she just if they're just floating and they're closed, she'll just open it the way it would normally be opened. And if it that can't be done, then she'd kind of like kick at it till it kind of crumbles. I could uh, wedge and pull up the lid for her with the knife. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. So the two of you working together, just um, disgustingly uh, opening this coffin. Oh yeah. I, Nima, I, Nima doesn't like take her eyes off of him while he's, while he's doing this, like very cautiously. <laughs> Same. So the two Perfect. people just staring at each other as they're, as they're doing this. Really Speaking excited of- about what's in this coffin. Really speak- pumped. Speaking of people staring, um, Orlin, we go over to you as you're kind of 
watching this happen and these coffins that are floating this is i mean it's eerie in the best of circumstances but you notice that the the one that they're opening it's weird it almost looks like there's a like a some kind of tattered flag around it how do you feel about that i think orlan is uh less vocal about some of the strangeness going on and so i don't think he's excited about it but i think he's kind of just accepting of the fact that this is just creepy as hell and he's not very keen to stay in one place for too long so i think uh or then i'll say just leave the last one and let's get moving once you get uh this one open yeah and i'm going to stay with orlin for a minute because as these two Russian Nima kind of pry this open. Oh, maybe there's like crabs and like disgusting sea creatures in this, like sea slugs and stuff that have, there's only disgusting like yellow bones left in this coffin. But there is one piece, Orlin, that looks incredibly valuable that's in this that has personal significance to you. What do you think this is? I think it's this like jewel encrusted very nonsensically uh, opulent astrolabe. Ooh, yeah. Cool. That there's like a uh, trying to think of how like one would have done an insignia on something like an astrolabe that's like such a functional object. So uh, maybe it would be like a like cross hatched pattern like across the whole thing, where it's like it's not interfering with like your ability to like see the degrees and like use it, but it's like kind of this etched into it again like recognizing that it's a fun- functional piece but it's this etched into it kind of like calling sign of the of his old crew so like it wasn't his ship so i'm guessing or i'm thinking maybe it was like a maybe it's like a word maybe it's even like a name of some kind like the short name of a vessel or something like that or like a motto in like one word i'm not i'm not able to think of like what that would be at the moment but no, no, it's something cool. like that where it would be very apparent that this that there's no other explanation for it other than this is like this custom one that he's seen that the scout on the like largest vessel in the fleet uh, took with him uh, every excursion. And you kind of flash back to you know your time on this crew for a moment, just enough for the audience to realize, oh, this this has to be related what's happening and one last question for orlin uh does rush or um nima take that trigger yeah i guess my intuition says nima would want to take it since rush got this like other big piece yeah no i love that yeah what have you swallowed nima um nothing yet we haven't found any additional treasure since that uh oh well we can flash back what like as you see this treasure and you kind of are like, Oh great. Got this astrolabe put in your pocket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings up the memory of, Oh, I swallowed that locket. Why did I do that? Is that yeah. true? And you check your pocket. And it's like, it's not there. I did swallow that. that yeah. She weird. thought she was just, she thought she was just choking or that there was just like a lump in her throat from like the, the tension of what's going on. And she like holds onto this astrolabe and like puts it in her pocket and is like, okay. Um, all right. Yeah, and I think as this is happening, this um, or maybe you hear some splashing 
and you see you look over to this third floating coffin and it's sinking now it goes into the shadows and maybe as Nima puts the uh, the torchlight back on it what torchlight is left you just see this uh, shadow under the water that then stands up and uh, this is like a dead like a bloated green skinned drowned zombie kind of thing this dead man kind of uh, is walking toward you it's gonna kill you for sure any ideas on what to do I'm running deeper into this cave what about you two yeah uh, I would like to push forward and while I do that actually can I start doing a ritual myself ooh interesting what are you trying to do I would like to start wrapping with whatever rope we have left, any kind of hemp and rope. And I kind of want to start wrapping it around my forearms, almost like uh, daredevil style. And I want to start uh, doing the ritual for bind. Ooh. Ooh. Awesome. Okay, cool. So <laughs> what a time to do a ritual. This is pretty good. So who are you trying to bind? It's not an Orlin. <laughs> person who's got my fucking ring so yeah to uh to let everyone in bind is hold a person or animal in place so as this creature kind of stands up um the water cascades off i mean not the worst idea you're kind of thinking you know what well, would be good is if nema stayed here forever but forever <laughs> well my thought is because i know i i figured it would take and it might just be the D and D brain in me. It takes like ten minutes to cast. So I'm thinking I'm already just starting to do the bindings. I'm waiting for that next room that she said that all the treasure was in. Oh, okay. That's you know what? That's fascinating. Yeah. So you want to save it to the next? So you're just setting. Up. I'm just setting up the trap because I'm a hunter. I'm cool. hunter. I think uh, I love that. I love that. So Orlin is still taking up the rear and sees this happening. And I think Orlin's going to attempt to disrupt it uh, out of kind of this, just an instinct of like wanting everyone to make it out kind of idea, which maybe uh, is foolhardy. But yeah, I think Orlin is, I'm trying to think of how I would disrupt something in like a way that, a ritual like this where I wouldn't necessarily be uh, like giving myself away super easily. Um, well, you know, it's up to the role if you give yourself away. So if you want, well, if you that, want to try to disrupt it, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, did we like, were we going to do the like round table of like how I was doing that? Like we did before? No. So if you're trying to do, it sounds like you're trying to do a reduction role. Yeah. So that one, you don't need to do the round robin thing. Uh, it's okay. That's only for risk rolls. So you can just say you're you're disrupting it and it's just going to make the ritual harder in the future. Oh yeah, definitely. Out of maybe a sense of self-preservation. I don't know how meta the concept of ruin is uh, or if the characters are well aware, but uh, but yeah, I'll definitely try to disrupt it. Yeah. Do, do you have any uh, idea? And it doesn't have to necessarily be subtle, but... <laughs> My two ideas are one, possibly like shouting something out that's not necessarily like rush is trying to bind you with a ritual but uh something like like oi to uh nima or something like about you know it could be about something happening behind us it could be about whatever 
Um, but just making Nima aware enough oh. that like Nima spins around or something like that or something of that nature. Or it oh, could be that I that, kind I, of like I mean, yeah, that's perfect. If you just especially okay. in this uh this escape from this awful monster, if you just take the time to be like Nima, watch out with Rush, look at those ropes around him. Like, yeah, just forewarning, I think makes total sense to me. So okay. yeah. Uh, as everyone's escaping, I will let you do that reduction roll. So to do okay. that, to remind you, just roll one light die. All right. It is a five, Uh-oh. which is equal to my ruin. Yeah, bad news. That means uh, Rush definitely hears you say this. Maybe the echoes, even with the splashing, it looks like he doesn't. But Rush, you heard every word of what just happened. Of course I did. Yeah, don't even worry about it. But Not concerned. Yeah, your ruin does go down by one, though, so don't worry. Nice. Orlin, you're back to yeah, four then, right? I'll totally be fine now. Yeah, back to four. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, everyone kind of runs away from this uh, drowned man, I guess, and the um, the tide kind of sweeps in even further. Everyone goes into this brightly lit sort of a passage that we had mentioned before, and just as you go through it, I think it goes further down and this time the walls are very narrow. It's You can only go like single file basically. And it kind of goes into like a spiral, almost staircase. As you, maybe you do realize this as you're walking down, they're very smooth. They're like stairs. Like someone had to have made these. These has to be man-made or constructed with purpose. Yeah. Intelligently designed in some way or other. And it's almost like you're going into a tower, like this, like a staircase downward into some, you know, like a man-made structure. This cannot be a natural cavern at this point. A wall of water is kind of rushing in behind you. And I think as this is going on, maybe we see this awful creature, just a shadow of it. You know, it's maybe we're underwater watching it as it, the silhouette kind of follows you maybe down into this and the sand under here kind of is disturbed for a moment. And it, this conch shell that's there, kind of spins over just a little bit with the disturbance in the water and the conch shell. Just, we realize it's reflecting all this light. It's just full of precious gems, just kind of like spill out of it onto the sand. And then we're going to go to the final ring. So as we're going down the staircase, the tide rushes in and it kind of sweeps every, all three of you up. The um, torches instantly doused. Everyone, it just kind of sucks you under the staircase. You're completely submerged. You don't know what's up or down. It's uh, disturbingly similar to your dream, Rush. There's, you know, splashing. It seems like maybe all three of you for a moment think someone's holding you down until you kind of uh, surface and take a, a breath, you know, finally whoever's it doesn't matter who's first but the other two come seconds after you there's barely enough room for your head here this area it's almost flooded you know you're like you have to point your head up as far as you can to kind of get a breath but it's just uh luminescent here who knows if it's um some kind of plankton or something in this water it's like glowing from within when you get enough breath you kind of look down I guess, as you're floating here at the very top of this room and you see 
further down this uh not not so much unlike that uh place you just left it's like this little uh cavern that's self-contained and there's all sorts of colors just you know reflect it in whatever light this is you see dark shadows going and you see oh this is there's all sorts of sea life that you can are very well illuminated now you can just see them circling around this centerpiece it's almost like um like a nest sort of made of driftwood and parts of ships like the bones of ships almost like masts and stuff sticking up in various ways and contortions and then you as you maybe you sink down (laughs) as you're engrossed in this all three of you holding your breath for a moment and see that's not just bones of ships there's bones of animals and sea creatures also definitely bones of humans in there you can notice some skulls and like ribs and femurs and stuff presented in here but also covered in treasures like centuries of treasures things that historians would would have dreamed of especially to orlin it looks like these this nest is very intricately arranged like uh someone put so much care into making every single coin every single piece of wood every single you know crab shell perfectly arranged they spent so much time making this the most beautiful thing they could possibly do and almost as you are sinking down to this to the floor of this cavern you kind of you can't help but appreciate how much time this person must have put into this maybe she was there the whole time or maybe she just materialized but there's this woman about 12 feet tall she's covered in kind of a you know crisscross like a basket seaweed and wicker parts and as she notices you she sort of moves a little bit and disturbs it and all of that falls away to uh just fish scales seashells just like the most beautiful kind of looking person although rush in particular notices her eyes too small her eyes just jet black like a shark's would be Hmm. this uh this woman is made up of all the parts of the sea together and there's no question in your mind this is the tide queen this is the real tide queen and i gotta ask some questions i'm gonna start with rush rush what is beautiful about her the thing i find um most beautiful about her is the strength that she's just kind of oozing off the the power that she has is almost uh, uh intoxicating and why is she dangerous rush same reason why she's attractive she's powerful she's i, I can see myself getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. love that uh orlin i've got some questions for you in the re- reverse order i guess how is this woman or this creature uh dangerous or deadly i guess deadly in the same way that any predator is remorseless like their actions aren't about these anthropomorphized ideas of like vengeance or emotion they're just about instinct and survival and any elegance or intention that we would ascribe to it is an imperfect notion of what's going on it's like uh every neuron and muscle 
firing and twitching to enact one particular goal which is animalistic and instinctive so then the second question uh, is the what's beautiful yeah you called it <laughs> yeah so uh, keeping with the like he's a fisherman idea the beauty is occasionally when you pull in a fish almost all of them are still alive when you pull them in regardless of how you kill them uh, or like acquire them uh, so whether it's like with a harpoon or a fishing line with a hook at the end or a net they're all alive and pulled out of where they were supposed to be where they were comfortable or if not comfortable at least knew how to survive and they have this glassy look in their eyes that suggests a refusal to die simply if they can help it. So this sense of survival, again, there's not an emotion to it. There's not this like consciousness that we would really like to put on it, but there is at least the closest that Orlin has felt to the same emotion that he has seen in the eyes of his fish. Uh, and in this, in their behavior is a refusal to quit and something reminiscent of that poem about raging against the dying of the light. That is the mm. feeling that he gets when he extracts these fish that will become his livelihood. Uh, but also that's the feeling that he gets when looking at this animal, which is the tide queen. I love that. And, it's, and it is beautiful. Like it's it's not that it's uh, uh, ugly or anything. It is beautiful, but it is very particular and not necessarily friendly. Yeah, something to be respected. All that. And Nima, how does this person or this creature, I should say, remind you of yourself? The strength that comes off of her is all the things, is everything that Nima could be and should be if she wasn't cheated. So she thinks to herself how amazing a governess uh, or, a, or a governor she would have been of uh, Dehrin and how uh, with her father getting sick, how she was theoretically the heir apparent and even with his like bastard son from this mistress that he had she was still the heir apparent she assumed once he died her mother would her mother would side with her and that she would be she would be soon made made his heir and the, the governor of this of this fortress of this castle and um, instead her mother said that that was not her position and that it was to be uh, the governor's son and her mother set herself up as the regent of her now dead husband's bastard son and Nima's just like so mad about her mother and looks at like how strong this thing is and thinks like I could have been that strong if I could only get this and that's why I need this treasure so I, so I could show her to throw this little bastard out and put me on this throne uh, amazing so yeah, I think a couple things happen. So uh, I think especially maybe Orlin's the first one, but all of you recognize this eventually as maybe your feet settle on the the floor of this uh, 
the submerged cavern and you notice these creatures kind of circling around like sharks and there's predatory things like crabs and stuff, but all of them awfully have something that's human about them. Maybe like there's a crab with like fingers on one claw instead of the claw itself. Maybe the shark has like human eyes that are like looking around wildly. Is there any other suggestions on terrifying hybrids? I definitely think seeing some ears, like some human ears Ooh, in yeah. weird spots of fish would be very alarming. How John Carpenter can we go with it? Bro, I'm, thinking, a minute ago. I'm thinking full head open with almost like a hermit crab has gone into a human head and it's scuttling. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. Perfect. I love it. Can't beat that. And as you see that that human head is just like smiling as it as the legs are, you know, scuttling about. Uh, did you have one, Austin? I was gonna. Uh, that's way better than mine. I was gonna say like a fish with human teeth. <laughs> like, Ooh, like just I mean, that, that, there's a fish just that has like a very human mouth. Like I said, it, your feet are oh, kind maybe, of. On- oh, go ahead. Maybe one other th- other thing. Maybe like just going like more aggressive with it. Maybe some of these like the fish and the. Uh, like eels and stuff actually just have human arms coming off of them. Like that could grab you mm. that are like, you know, coming toward you reaching. Yeah. I love that. And absolutely all of these creatures are looking at you with contempt. Like if you make one wrong move, you know that any of these will just attack you however way they can. She, the tide queen kind of has something to say to each of you. Firstly, I think she addresses Nima. She says, What is the respect of one person against the respect of everything the sea touches? Wouldn't you rather sit on the greatest throne known to man? What will you give me to join me at my side? And then to Rush, she says, I hate to say it, your family will never be safe. As long as any man draws breath, they will always be in danger, and you are the least capable of protecting them. But I can watch them. I can make that wish come true that so many others have asked of me. I can protect them for all times, as long as the tide goes up and down. But what will you give me? Then she looks at Orlin. You've made your life feeding on my children. Wouldn't life be simpler in my court? Doing your job, killing those creatures that come from the waves, but point it at those that displease me? Your only friends have joined me years ago. What would you give to join me? So noting that, Orlan would like to start a ritual. Ooh, okay. What what are you thinking? So I have channel, which allows a spirit to act through me. And in line with the webbed feet and being a fisherman and all this other stuff, Orlin would like to channel. There's a bird. I will. You may have seen it around Florida, um, called an onhinga, yeah, um, like a creepy crane kind of thing. 
not really a crane. They, uh, they're like, they're very odd. Actually, um, in an indigenous language, they were referred to as devil birds, uh, or as like snake birds because they have these really long necks that like move like a snake. And like when they swim in the water, um, they do that as well. Their beak is, uh, it's like the opposite of a pelican's. It's like super narrow, but also long. And they use it to spear fish. And then they will like, the fish is still on the spear of the beak. And they'll like work it off of it with like centripetal force until they like are able to swallow it back wow. um, inside their mouths. They're really cool. Uh, so Orlin will attempt to, a ritual to channel the Onhinga to fight the Tide Queen out of a sense of, I think, like in his mind. Uh, and I think this is true in the sense of the story, but I think maybe Orlin couldn't possibly like know with certainty that it's true. But there's this notion that he has with like the astrolabe of the of the crewmate in the coffin, and like the fact that the it was coffins instead of a ship following him, and they were this close, and these different ideas. Like he has it in his mind that the Tide Queen is ultimately what killed his crew, so he wants to go out swinging and this is one of the rituals that he is most fond of for its like capacity for violence because you become inhuman and then just uh act it out okay i love that yeah and this is when the hand comes out so so there this is a eel fishing spear carving yeah, it's like very grotesque. It's got five points, but they're arranged um, in like a square rather than a like fanning out like a trident. And so it's four like hooked things that make up the corners of the square and then one in the middle that's just a stabby bit uh, for those listening. And so the choice of the Anhinga like relates to it being like a spear fishing fit, uh, bird and then the to channel and then the the kind of like ritual focus comes from the uh harpoon like where it's like kind of the sense of like we're we're the same you and i because like it's a fishing bird and he's a fisherman yeah. uh and then he also has some feathers from the anhinga that like line his peacoat on the inside so they're not like obvious to anyone but they're like it's not like fully lined with them but just like this idea that it's important enough to him kind of spiritually that he has some uh on his um like on the inside yeah so you're gonna do are you gonna do it oh yeah 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 for sure so yeah let's go through this risk roll then right okay so do any of your skills kind of uh help out i do have fishing I feel like that still kind of applies, but... Uh, yeah, I'll give that to you, for sure. Going. So you've got one light die. Um, does anyone... Can anyone think of a Devil's Bargain real fast? I'll go with um, Austin first. Do you have one? Or no, Justin, looks like you had one. I was going to say uh, Devil's Bargain is uh, he joins his crew, but in the respect of maybe it's like a spectral forever serving kind of crew. Yeah. I, th- I think I was trying to imply, but maybe uh, as you're casting this ritual to, or if you take this devil's bargain, 
or no I'll, okay sure i'll give another devil's bargain it's kind of the same but maybe uh different enough but uh you see oh some of these creatures that are human hybrids are your crew you recognize oh that's oh yeah this person's eye or something yeah like the, that the was deepest already, blue eye like the, the tattoos on the arms coming mm, off or whatever. yeah, yeah I, that was my like intuition whether it was true or not that's what orland feels like cool uh, yeah which only like incenses him more and then well maybe and then austin, austin do you have a devil's bargain uh alternative no mine is all kind of in the same vein as that okay cool well do you want to take that hybrid of all of her devil's bargain you don't want to take nope. it no this is uh Ooh, so, okay so, so i not, have like not the a, case uh, then no i so like it doesn't sense them further because uh this uh oh wait i mean do you want that to be true that these these are your crew members or oh, you want to oh deny no it? i no i think they are my crew members cool. i'm just not trying to join them which i got yeah I absolutely interpreted i guess what the devil's bargain was then oh no that's fine so yeah um, the devil's bargain is that you recognize some of your crew and that's true no matter if you succeed or fail so you get to add your second white die and you're definitely okay. risking life and limb here so uh, okay. add a, a dark die as well yeah interrupt you real fast on a complete success i should have started with this what do you what's your ideal thing to happen oh how about that so how about it's to free his crewmates of their servitude by either like oh i love that killing them like as they are so maybe he's like trying Darker. to kill them rather than going for the tide queen uh immediately uh yeah, yeah actually, just I think leave that's it there best. yeah Perfect. i think that's best yeah so give us a roll all right the reason that this is his drive and why like it's pushing him so much is not like that he like misses his crew and like he wants them to uh to have been fine or like any of this stuff uh it's much more kind of anger for him it's that when his crew left whatever the reasons were like whatever reasons they like didn't include him they took away his ability to die with them and so he hates mm. them for that Ooh, like yeah. he, he views that as like this very deep betrayal uh that he would never wish on anyone else that he would uh want to be able to die with the people he served with this whole time um love that so st very stoic orlin i'm at the edge of my seat here give us a roll all right yeah here we go Ooh, that's incredible your highest one is the six I feel almost every risk roll we've rolled this game the highest one has been a dark six which is incredible yeah, I, I think so. very unlikely so you're actually able to kill these uh people exactly as you want it but this ends up killing yourself and put a pin in that because I want to see what these other kids are doing. I think uh, Rush said he wanted to also do a ritual, right? Yes, I wanted to finish my ritual and I wanted yeah. to finish the binds on Nima. Yeah, to to what extent? Is this, um, is this <clears throat> your sacrifice or what are you doing? No, I need her to stay still because one, I need to ask her two questions. And then I need to make my my bargain with the the sea queen. Mm. Austin, would Nima be up for that? <laughs> she has if she has a way of knowing that that's happening. Then no, she she wouldn't. Yeah, wait. I'm asking you because you you knew this was coming, right? Yeah, you have some forethought, so you're not okay with that, I assume, right? Right. Or are you? I'm not. Okay. So Nima, so I think Nima this would is, not be cool with that. So I think I'm gonna. 
this is going to be a con- contest a contest rule. Hmm. So okay. that's the bottom of that reference sheet. So when treasure hunters act against each other, um, compete or want to inflict harm on each other, first agree what's ex- at stake. Right. So I think the almost like you're trying to take away Nima's, uh, I don't know, freedom of action at least. Right. That's what you're, what's at stake here. I mean, she took my ring and she didn't even bring it back or brought it up. So you're not wrong. So then each can player gather each competing player gathers some dice here. Okay. So you get one light die. If your occupation or background gives you any advantage. So what do you, what do you two think would, which uh, skill do you think would apply? Both of you? I think hunting or traps or both. Traps, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm a sorceress who's experienced with rituals. Absolutely. E- easy. So you both get one light die so far. Uh, you get another one for each point of ruin you currently have. Okay, that's yeah. That's going to be more. Yeah, she's got five. You both have five. That's wild. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. No, I'm back at four. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So I need at least five of these. No, I need six. Yeah. At least of white dice. Yeah, well, I get six light dice and incredible. Uh, one dark, I'm assuming, because it's inherently dangerous. Then take one dark die if the contest contest is inherently dangerous. Absolutely. And then take as many additional dark dice if you're willing to risk. And then the idea is, after you roll, you count any dice that come up as six. In the case of a tie, count fives, fours, so on, until a winner is determined. Each dark tie that comes up as a one will increase your ruin by one. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cool. So how many dark dice are you guys taking? I'm very curious. Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a brinksmanship is how this is made. So you, you can both watch how many dark die, dice you're adding. Let me add some more dark dice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I would like to see if I can add some dark die. Yeah, what? where are you at, Austin? Your dice pool? I have six white dice and a dark die. I'll do at least two of these. Okay. I would actually like to do two additional dark die. Ah, for one more. In. So let's see. Rush has, what, five white white dice and four dark dice at the moment? Let's uh let's even it up. I'll do five and five. I'll throw I'll throw another one into the mix. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, is everyone good with those, or do you want to add some more? Take some away. Nah. There's only a one in six chance of a one. <laughs> All right. And it's let's just see. the ones on the dark dice, right? Or on the yeah. dark yeah. or the light dice. Getting a one on, on a on a dark. dark dice is is bad. And you're trying to get yeah. sixes anywhere. So, yeah, Nima, do you want to roll first? Sure. All right. So I got no ones on any purple dice, and I got three sixes. Yeah, Rush, what, do you want to give us a roll? Let's do it. Still haven't lost your nerve. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That five was a one for a hot minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no ones, which is great, uh, unfortunately. Only two sixes. Yeah. So what that means is that um, this this ritual does does not work. 
you had the best of intentions, but Nima's, I don't know, her sorceress ability is able to uh, counterspell or the equivalent yeah. of that. And I think, yeah, you, I think very Harry Pottery, she can dispel it. Yeah. Nima, what, what are you up to? Oh, yeah, she'll just turn to the Tide Queen and say, like, I'll give you two lords if I can, if I can have some of my kingdom back. If that takes, if that takes ruling it from the sea, that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, and I think she just uh, looks over and just like, those dry, dry kingdoms, kingdoms are worthless. worthless. Rule here, but that's what, what I can give you if you give me something of equal value. Um, she's just telling you like her mo- her mother and her brother her mother and her half brother she, oh. she holds her hands out just like what do you want to give me now oh and she can do the ritual to pull someone to her and she's going to pull the two of them to her ooh fascinating oh wow that is wild that's, that's a fascinating use of that I love that how can I sabotage this yeah are you trying to do a kind of a counter ritual yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Yeah. I do like how this is very much a sitcom issue where part of the problem is he wants that he wants that ring back. He has never at any point said, Hey, that's my ring, give it back. Yep. You tried to drown me. This is an arrested development moment. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh let's see, what what ritual were you doing again, Rush? Hollow? Um, let me just double check. Yeah, let's do hollow. Let's uh, ancient one and just hulk them. Yeah, so what's the idea there is to uh, push the spirit out of the body. The um, the spirits that Nima's bringing back or Nima's spirit? Nima's physical spirit with her form and pushing it out so her physical form drops. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, I love that. So I, I think I'm going to leave it up to this role. Like, the winner of this is going to uh, to succeed, and the other ones is there's going to be a bad fate, and it might be a ruined fate. We'll see, but uh, do you do you want to do that same situation again? Sure. You too. Yeah. Contest this role, or do a contested role. So you okay. have it set up uh, pretty well already. If you want to, you have to keep at least one dark die, but you can add or take away however you I'm need. I'm good. To. I'll add another one just for the shit of it. There you go. Still, still okay, uh, Justin. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I gave it to Nima. Oops. Let me bring this. This is an important role to look at. Um, I gave it to Nima first. Uh, so, Justin, do you want to start out? This oh, time? yeah, sure. So I can find out if I die first. So yeah, any sixes are good, and white or no, sorry, purple ones are bad. Yeah, you got one extra six, but a one as well all right so let's see what i can do three sixes is what what's there to beat but oh baby i got four dang. sixes god damn it that was that was pretty Man, good that, that oh yeah well. yeah no no ones in particular but um we all knew this had to happen it's so fucked up to pull people from how who knows how far away just to get, sacrifice them to some sort of elder god I did specify that um, this would be the last roll. So I think um, even though you didn't quite get to your ruin, 
um, Rush. This is mm-hmm. this is your final act. And Nima, theoretically, this is going to go great for you, although probably not a happy ending, but a fulfilled ending, perhaps by might have a dark, um, you know, monkey's paw Twilight Zone twist to it, if you want. And and cool. kind of present cool. the final um, the page of this story. Sound yeah. good? Yeah, sure. All right. So does everyone have a, a good epilogue you thought of? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll go um, Windershins here. The person who had the most time, I guess we'll start with um, Jacob here. So Orlin, I actually hadn't quite pieced together just how perfect this is until after I already said it all. But his crewmates became fish. He now, as a fisherman, is hunting them all to kill them with the tools of a fishing animal. I think for him, he's like precisely trading the feeling of like security and serenity that he had in that like vision when they were on the beach. Like he's, he's basically taking the exact opposite scenario um, where he is instead of like swimming with these other aquatic organisms and just feeling like he's like kind of almost weightless and he doesn't feel the pain of his years of hard labor. He is instead going to assail the like very like group that he's swimming with in this kind of metaphor. And he's going to attack the uh, the various crew, not even just the crew members, but like the entire court of like organisms there. His goal is to end them and then go for the Tide Queen. And I'm thinking that he is like, it's really weird because he's channeling the Anhinga. So he's like kind of only partly there. He's not like fully controlling his actions because it's this animalistic kind of fury coming out, uh, instinctive fury uh, through him. And so he's like swimming in this like really weird way, but the web like hand is helping guide him and so he's got this kind of like he's swimming very adeptly but it looks like super bizarre uh to like a anyone looking on so he's killing all of them but in doing so like they are fighting back so he's like getting bit he like has a they bit him in various places like ripped off parts of his flesh like he kind of has these uh parts of his coat and his clothing and stuff are like almost cloaking him with his blood like all kind of around him he's like a cloud almost of a fury and he manages to kill these various things whatever was in the room at least like that takes him a while so I'm kind of thinking that the Nima's and Rush's stuff where they're bargaining with the Tide Queen kind of has all happened already while Orlin is engaged in this furious combat. And so this, like, bloodied, like, missing an eye, maybe even missing both eyes, I don't know, just, like, going by instinct, he's, like, drawn to the Tide Queen for his end, and so he just, like, lashes out with one final stab of the harpoon, and maybe, like, would get her in the gut, but it's just, like, the fish scales are impervious, nothing happens. Oh, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, yeah, please. Maybe like stab her in the chest and all of these like jewels and coins kind of seep out of her. 
like this, oh, like yeah. as the effigy, you know, they put all the treasure in the chest. Oh, perfect. Like yes. that's her blood, this, this treasure. Yeah, that's a great callback there. Um, and so, yeah, okay, so I'm thinking like he pushes in, but the like harpoon itself gets stuck. And so that's just like, uh, and then Orlin is like, just like punching and kicking and doing whatever he can with his free arm and his uh, feet. And it's just doing nothing. Like this is just a mass. It's like fighting a giant except underwater. <laughs> so he's, he's not really doing anything. Um, and I think eventually the Thai queen after Orlin just completely exhausts himself. Like just has nothing left. Can't even like, can barely even think about moving. And I think the Tide Queen puts him down like he would like a rabid dog or something. Like there's this sense of loss for the Tide Queen where it's like he just like refused to yield at that last moment to become something better. And so she just lets like tiny little fish like slowly eat him to death, like while he's stuck to her, unable to defend himself. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So seeing that both the bind and the hollow failed. I'm frothing at the mouth and I'm just looking at Nima and I'm going, what's the fucking point? You're right, I don't deserve them. So what, you're gonna replace me? You're gonna be with them now and you're gonna protect them now? That's fine, but I want my wish back and you have it. Yeah, and I think she just blankly stares at you uh, for a while and then just yeah, what do you what do you think is do you think she just asks you what do you mean? What are you talking about? My ring, give me my ring back. I gave it to her and you took it. And you tried to drown me and told me I don't deserve my kids and maybe I don't. Maybe I'm a son of a bitch and I know that. But I want my ring back. I want my wish back. I don't give a shit what happens to me. It's them. Hmm. I take the ring back. Go on. If you want to listen, Austin. Yeah. So, I'm thinking the thing that has attracted you to this treasure all along, like every piece of it, is power. And I think sensing Rush's insecurity and like need for this thing only makes you more like. This is precious to me, not because of anything to do with myself as Nima, but because it has power over you and elicits this reaction from you. So like, if this was just some ring, I don't care. But now that I know it's like your ring, screw you, like I am the law kind of thing. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of won this contest. So you have the uh, carte blanche to be as mean as you want here, Nima. Okay. Uh, and she was thinking that she had that thing that these guys were going to kill her. Yep. She'll, she'll just say, like, that isn't yours anymore. You've lost it, and you've probably lost them. I didn't take it from you, but it's mine now. Okay. And I'm going to say, I gave it. Okay. And I'm going to take the knife out. And then I'm going to go, can I walk up to the sea, Queen? Sure, why not? I'm going to go up. And I'm gonna put the hilt, get, hand her the hilt, and I'm gonna say, Originally, I gave you my heart for them. So now, if you need a ranger, 
If it walks this land, I will find it. If it swims in this sea, I will find it. And if I can't, I will find a way. But I will give you my heart for them. And I give her the hilt. Uh, and by them, you mean your family, right? Yep. And I want to say, not just them, I mean the blood. I'll, I will work for you as long as they are under your protection. Perfect. So yeah, I think she's, she, uh, in that case, takes the knife from you mm-hmm. and just kind of lets go of it. And just lets it sink into the sand, you know? And then she maybe grabs your your chin here, brings her your face closer to hers. And I look in those doll eyes. Yeah. And you realize um, she's like the, the perfect, perfect hunter. hunter. I can accept that. And then when she lets go of you, you're just like perfect predator, like a shark of some sort. You're a sea creature. Uh, what? What's the um? What's the tell? What's the, the what's the human thing that stays with you though? Ooh, human thing that stays with me. How sad do I want to make it? Ultimate sad. It's uh, it's my left ring finger. It's under the under one of the fence. Yeah. Uh huh. I was also, if you want to be like a lot more obvious with it, I was thinking you could have the inscription that was on the ring just like yes. scraped into a scar along the side of the shark. I like that. Like oh, that. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And she kind of just moves you along and you sort of just start circling around as the rest of these predators are. Sick. And maybe we think somewhere that there's a family that's being kept safe as like a light drizzle goes over them, but maybe not. Anyway, Nima, what do you have? What's your epilogue? I think that the, the tide queen has asked for this sacrifice and Nima thinking like, Oh, I can have this power and I can show them. I can show the ones who've wronged, who've wronged me. I can show my mother that I wasn't the one she should have pushed aside, that she should have let me sit uh, sit in that seat that, of power, that I should have been the one like leading that this family rather than some child, some bastard child, and that she, how dare she go against her own her own daughter in favor of this this bastard who was born from another woman that her husband had like been cheating on her with like change like that's what she's thinking and um yeah i think that this ritual probably involves her bleeding like so like like cutting cutting herself in some kind of way and that blood kind of pours out into the water and it turns into kind of a cloud like it would in water but then it coalesces into something much much kind of thicker and it seems as though these two people are pulled into this scene and they're just ripped out of wherever they had been. And you see a child of maybe like six, maybe seven, and a woman in her um, late 40s or, 50, or, or mid 50s, late 40s to mid 50s, uh, probably mid 50s, let's say that, uh, dressed in kind of like um, courtly finery, very much um, Circe Game of Thrones style finery. They're terrified of what the hell is happening, which is a completely reasonable thing. I think Nima just says, like, 
You doubted me to sit in the seat of power. You doubted that I was a great sorceress who could who could rule from the fortress that our family had led for generations and generations, and you were wanted to give this to him, to some bastard. Now I'll show you how great a sorceress I am. Now you'll see it. She just watches as they kind of thrash about, tread water, and just kind of drown and kind of sink down into the sand, just like that knife did. And she kind of nods, just like, ah, perfect. perfect. And then she kind of, uh, the Tide Queen, just stands aside and kind of motions her at like this beautiful, like iridescent, you know, you know, way too long arm to Nima to sit down on this, uh, this sort of treasure throne that they, that she's uh, constructed out of, you know, all these bones and gems and just everything that everyone's ever offered to wish or to make their wishes come true. You know, I think as she very regally, (laughs) even walking on the bottom of this, you know, chamber, the sea chamber, you know, your hair floating behind you. Um, you sit down and we kind of see just maybe the, the treasure even shines with a even greater light as you kind of, you know, realize your, your, your place within everything, the ocean itself, perhaps. And then the tide queen kind of takes a step forward and smiles. And we see Nima just in this, uh, crisscross pattern of seaweed um, under her robes or whatever she was wearing and they kind of just implode like sink in on themselves and the Thai queen just kind of picks up this you know soggy effigy that was sitting on her throne and puts it aside leaking this you know treasure wound from her chest as she uh, walks by she sits down on the throne that you know, Nima was just in. And then as we pull back, we kind of see just that shark with its way too human fingers and the inscription along, you know, the uh, cartilage of its back, uh, all too familiar. And we see, uh, you know, just the seaweed kind of drifting away that used to be Nima. And then uh, just what's left of Orlin just being devoured, just a swarm of minnows. And then we kind of go back up to the surface. The beautiful sun coming down on this uh, mostly abandoned island. You know, the clouds part and we can see the sun. And uh, next year it'll all happen again. And then that's the end, right? Yeah. Sound good? (laughs) Seems like it. Thanks for joining us for the Trophy Dark Incursion, The Gift of the Sea. Trophy was designed by Jesse Ross and published by The Gauntlet and Hedgemaid's Press. Gabriel Robinson wrote The Gift of the Sea. Their cast was Jacob, Justin, and Austin, with David as the GM. Please see the show notes for links to all of the incredible musicians you heard in this episode. Keep up to date on what's going on with This American Dice on our Facebook. If you liked what you heard, review it leave a comment, or share it with a friend. Join us next time for our thoughts on Trophy Dark. And be sure to check out our new ongoing series, This American Monster.
And then when it bumps into her and uh, her own body flops out, like screams. Yeah, I think there's a ruin roll in that, right? If you if you say so, the ruin roll that every twin has to end, every uh, twins have to endure at open casket funerals. No, it's me. How's so uh, Orlin's winter shins anti-clockwise? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> it's a very strange thing there. Um, I think so. Okay. I mean, I haven't looked it up when we talked about it last time. If I if I'm doing it wrong this whole time, I'm gonna be really sad. I've chosen not to either. I think it fits the theme of uh, Lovecraftian nightmares having words we don't understand. Um, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> 